Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Grace and Faith. So this morning, I want to talk to you about grace and faith, grace and faith. In the church world today, there seems to be two extremes when it comes to receiving what was purchased for us by the blood sacrifice and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some emphasize grace to the extreme and others emphasize faith to the extreme Some say it's all up to God and His grace, and we have very little to do with it. Others imply that it's all up to us and that we have to use our faith to move God to act on our behalf. Neither one of these extremes is correct. In fact, grace and faith have to operate together in order for us to receive what was purchased for us Through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Grace and faith have to operate together in order for us to receive what was purchased for us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen for that? All right. In your devices or in your Bible, if you would turn to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Titus chapter 2. Verse 11, New King James Version. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I'll read it again because it's very, very powerful if you think about it. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So there's a couple of things I want you to see in this verse. Number one. The grace of God is traditionally defined as God's unmerited favor towards mankind. And that's good because it's true. We did nothing to deserve it. He just extended His grace toward us because He loved us. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. So evidently, God determined He was going to pour out His grace on all of mankind through the sacrifice of Jesus, His Son, before the universe was created, before any of us was even born. Second thing I want you to see is the grace of God that brings salvation, I've already alluded to it, has appeared to or has been poured out on every man and woman on the planet, whether they choose to receive it or not. The grace is has been extended to them. And that word there translated as salvation is the Greek word soteria, which means salvation, deliverance, healing, and wholeness in every sense of the word. Amen? So to sum it up, the grace of God is God's unmerited favor that brings salvation, healing, and deliverance and wholeness to anyone that will receive it. Amen. The grace that meets every need of every human being 
on planet earth has already been poured out by God through the shed blood of Jesus, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. All we have to do is receive by faith what has already been provided for us through the finished work of Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to talk for a few minutes about what I call provisional grace. Provisional grace. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. In the English Standard Version. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me stop right there. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God. Let me say that again. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God. Justified by faith means when I said yes to Jesus, when I made Jesus my Lord, it was just if I'd never sinned. Easy way to remember it. Furthermore, since the sin barrier between man and God has been removed, we now have complete peace and harmony between us and God if we will receive it. Verse 2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Again, there's a lot in there, so I got to read it to you again. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's powerful. Notice that verse 2 declares that we have obtained access by faith and stand in the grace that has already been poured out on all mankind. So what does it mean to stand in the grace of God? To stand in grace is to stand by faith and what we know that God has already provided. Amen? But not all mankind will receive access to this grace because not everyone will choose to receive it by faith. So pouring out His grace was God's part in the grace-faith equation, and He's already done it. Accessing this grace by expressing faith in Jesus Christ as Lord is our part. So if receiving from God is the objective, grace and faith go together and you can't have one without the other. And that goes for provisional grace, which we just talked about, but also for saving grace, which I want to talk about next. Let's talk about saving grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, New King James Version. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Very familiar passage of Scripture to most of us. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I tell you, these are so powerful, I I probably will end up reading most of them twice because they're just so fundamental, so powerful. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, I said earlier that God has his part to play, and we have our part to play, and I believe that's a good way to think about it uh, when you think about grace and faith concerning our everyday walk as believers. However, when we look at saving grace, that is the grace that brought us into the kingdom, the grace that got us born again. The grace and faith equation looks a little different. Notice that verse 8 says that by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Verse 9 says it's not of works so there's nothing to boast about. That means if you want to be technically correct... Even the faith to believe that Jesus is Lord was a gift from God. So if that's true, there's nothing to boast about because you had zero contribution to the grace-faith equation. Notice how I put my Ph.D. hat on and I slipped in equations into this sermon this morning. Even after you were born again, the Bible says you were given the measure of faith. Amen? So the bottom line is this. We owe it all to Him. The grace and the faith come from Him. And thank God for it. There is a third form of grace that I want to cover next, and I call it empowering grace. Empowering grace. And we find it in verse 10. I want to, since we sort of broke it up a little bit, I want to go back and read verse 8 and 9. If you just back up for me on the slides there, and then we'll just read them all the way through. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. So not only does the grace and faith equation work to bring us saving grace and provisional grace, but there's an empowering grace that helps you fulfill your calling in life. The good works that God prepared beforehand that you were supposed to walk in. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, New King James Version. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, New King James Version. The Father God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Here we see more proof of what I said earlier, that the grace of God was poured out on us in Christ Jesus before time began, before the universe was even formed. 
And not only for our salvation, but also for our calling, for our mission in life. Obviously, the highest priority of God is that every human being place their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and become a part of the family of God. And get baptized in the Holy Spirit so they live a life of victory that He had planned for them. But the next highest priority is that all those who call Him Lord fulfill the calling of God that He has placed upon their lives. And when you become aware of that calling and the grace that accompanies that calling, your response has to be a response of faith. Every morning when I get up and I pray in the morning, I get my coffee, I get my protein bar, I sit down behind the table in the kitchen area, and I say, Lord, I say yes to your plan for my life. I embrace it. Help me walk it out. But I want you to know I say yes to everything that's been written about me in the books that you keep in heaven. It's important that you realize you have a calling. It's important that you tell God you're available to fulfill that calling. I want to look at the life of the Apostle Paul for an excellent example of what it means to say yes to the plan of God for your life. What it means to express faith in the grace that's been extended toward you to fulfill your gifts and callings. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. English Standard Version. Paul said, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. You know, Paul was acutely aware of his past. He knew he was carrying baggage with him when Jesus called him to be the Apostle Paul. How many of us refuse to go forward in our call because we won't leave the baggage that we're carrying behind? Leave the mistakes of your past behind. Embrace his plan and walk it out in life. Amen. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Let me talk about that for a minute. Saul, as he was called back then, was there and consenting when Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned to death for his faith. And then he led a rampage of terror against the early church soon after. Not just in Jerusalem, but anywhere in the region where he could find believers he was going around, he was putting them in prison, and he was having them put to death. But on the road to Damascus, you can read about it in Acts chapter 9, we find that the grace of God was extended unto Paul in the form of a light that knocked him off his horse and introduced him to Jesus the King. And what was his response? Saul said, this is my paraphrase, who are you, Lord? He doesn't even know who he is, and he's already confessing him as Lord. I think that's awesome. 
And Jesus responded, this again is my paraphrase, I am Jesus, the one you keep persecuting, and the conviction that you're feeling ever since Stephen was stoned has been me beckoning you to obey your heavenly calling. Only the grace of God could take a man like Saul, a terrorist, that relentlessly tormented the church of his day and turn him into a man like the Apostle Paul who would end up writing half the New Testament and would grow and prosper and lead the church that he once persecuted, that he once tried to destroy. I'm telling you what, and I'm prophesying this because I've heard it and it bears witness with me. Some of these that are out there protesting with Antifa and making a lot of noise and burning down houses and, and uh, doing destruction and violence, God is going to take some of them, He's going to turn them around and turn them into super evangelists. If He did it with Saul, He can do it with some of them, Amen. Some of them have a divine calling. They just don't know it yet. Verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, In spite of my past, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He said, in spite of the baggage that I carried into this thing, I am what I am by the grace of God. And if you want to know the truth, I have labored more than all the other apostles. I produced more fruit than all the other apostles because of the grace of God on my life. Notice that Paul says the grace of God made him into the man that he had become. It was not extended to him in vain. But by that grace, Paul became a different person. This means that the grace for Saul the terrorist to become Paul the apostle was extended to him by God. When Paul gave his testimony to King Agrippa, he said... Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly calling. I received the grace that was extended my way. And I said yes to the plan of God for my life. So evidently, grace can be more than just God's unmerited favor. It can be an empowering grace that enables you to function in your calling at the highest level possible. So let's read some other things about the role of grace and faith in the life of the Apostle Paul. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and the first part of 21. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and the first part of 21. I'm reading it in the English Standard Version. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's talking about faith in verse 20, but notice what he says in verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. 
I am aware of the grace of God that has been extended to me, Paul says. I don't nullify it. I don't short-circuit it. I don't run from it. But I receive it and appropriate it into my life by faith. That's how I live my life. That's how I fulfill my calling. Let's talk about your gifts and your calling for just a few minutes. If you've got a calling, and you do, then Scripture says that you've got gifts that go along with that calling. Let me show you that in the Scriptures. Romans 11, verse 29. Romans 11, verse 29. We're going to read it first in the English Standard Version, and then we'll read it in the Amplified Classic. It's a dynamite scripture. Romans eleven twenty nine, English Standard Version says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. It's just like the grace that goes along with the gift. It will never be retracted. It's up to you to either receive it or refuse to receive it by faith. Amen. Listen to it in the Amplified Classic. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and He does not change His mind about those to whom He gives His grace or to whom He sends His call. Amen. In other words, He says, I've given you gifts, I've given you the grace to operate in those gifts, and I'm not withdrawing the call of God on your life. You choose to receive the gift and the grace and the calling by faith. No matter how ill-equipped you think you are. I like what one preacher says. God's never had anybody qualified working for him yet. So why would he start with you? Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7 and 8. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. The whole first part of Ephesians 4 is talking about how that when Jesus ascended, He gave gifts unto men. So here in verse 7 it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So now we see that with the gifts that Christ has given unto us, I've already alluded to this, there comes an empowering grace to operate in those gifts. How unfair would it be if God gave you a gift and said, you're on your own, make it work. He gives you the gift and He gives you the grace that is proportional to that gift so that you can operate at the highest level possible. The process begins by first identifying your gifts, then receiving them by faith, and receiving the grace that goes along with those gifts that you've received by faith. Then by faith, you step into and grow and develop in the calling of God on your life. Now, I realize that's a pretty short summary of what most likely will be a long process. 
in your life. That's not meant to be a discouraging comment either. Just realize that fulfilling the plan of God for your life will be a lifelong proposition and just learn to enjoy the journey along the way. And as you do, grace and faith will lead the way in your life and in your ministry. So we see from what we've studied today that when it comes to receiving all that God has for us, grace and faith are dependent upon one another. You can't emphasize one at the expense of the other. You need grace and faith working together to get born again. You need grace and faith working together to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need grace and faith working together to live an abundant life. Walk in provision. Walk in health. Walk in joy and peace and love in your everyday life. And you need grace and faith working together so that you can function at the highest level possible in the gifts and callings of God that He has placed upon your life. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Grace and Faith. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.